Praise God. Amen. So I have a word for us this morning. Somebody say fresh oil. Somebody say fresh oil. Hopefully I won't spend so much time um, laying foundation and um, doing introduction and so that we can really move into the very heart of the message. This, today's message is born out of what I perceive is the season upon us. Um, I was saying, um, was it yesterday or last week that I sort of sense that we are in a season of the outpouring of the Spirit. We are, and what I mean is we are in the season of the operation of the Spirit. That's what I mean. We are in the season of what? The operation of the Spirit. What should you do with this season? Ask your neighbor, what should I do with this season? So that they can say, what should I do with this season? Just flow in the Spirit. That's what it means. Flow what? In the Spirit. What it means by the season of the operation of the Spirit is that there is grace, there is grace released to hear the Holy Ghost. There is grace released to discern the Spirit. There is grace released to understand and discern what the will of God is. And there is grace released to make progress in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Am I making sense? That's what it means. So when we're saying that it is the season of the outpouring of the Spirit, we're not just talking about a season where something will turn you around and then you fall under the anointing and then you roll and hit chairs or whether it's in your house or in your home and all that. That's not what we're talking about. That really, really trivializes it. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? And it's, just, and it's also not just a season where you're just and then you're speaking in tongues but without understanding and without a sense or a context of what the Spirit is doing internally. Am I making sense? There are a lot of people who just, who, has, who have taken tongue speaking as religious or as an alternative to thoughtfully constructing prayer and offering petition to God. You know, we do that all the time. Say, let's pray concerning this thing. Your heart is not there. You are cooking a balegusi in, in your house. But you are doing la ba ba You are counting all the cars that is moving across the sea. You have used tongue. The act of speaking in tongues, which is supposed to be a most holy thing, which is supposed to be a spiritual thing, which is supposed to be you having the attention of God and God having your attention and you're speaking mysteries unto him as the scripture says. You have turned it into a trivial, trivial, familiar and carnal activity that you just play in your mind while you stroll away from your assignment. Hallelujah. So what is supposed to become a thing of great, great advantage has become an object of empty religion. See, but God shows mercy. Hallelujah. But the mercy of God is meant to do what? To help us to come into repentance and what? And make adjustments. So that we don't continue to do the wrong things. A time of prayer is a time when your heart is engaged with the Lord full concentration so when we say it is a time and the season of the operation of the spirit or the outpouring of the spirit we're not just talking about empty activities and empty words we're talking about that there is a portal of grace that is open and there is a deliberate outpouring of god's grace for you to make progress for you to increase for you to multiply for you to go deeper into the things of god hallelujah hallelujah so when you pray there is light 
So when you ask questions, there are answers. So when there is something that seems to be confusing, there is discernment. That's what it means to, be, to flow in the Spirit. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? The will of God becomes clear and there is grace to follow it. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are what? Are the sons of God. And there is grace to sow into the Spirit. For if you sow into the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap what? Eternal life. For to be spiritually minded is what? Is life and peace. So in this season, there is a preparation of a harvest of life and peace. If you will key into the grace to become spiritually minded. That's what we mean by that point of the Spirit. Hallelujah. It is not, those, it is not church gymnastics. No. It is a definite, a real, a tangible work with the Holy Ghost that is showing daily results in your life. That is making you conformed more and more to the image of Christ. Hallelujah. That is reshaping your emotions. That is reconstructing your will to conform to God's will. And that is challenging the strongholds of carnality and selfishness in your heart. Confronting it and giving you grace to shut them down and overcome them. That is what we mean by the operation of the Spirit. That's what we mean by Pentecost. That's what we mean by the outpouring of the Spirit. Because when the Holy Ghost came in Acts chapter 2, there was a word, there was a change of God. There was a change of order. Suddenly, weak, timid men became strong, became confident, became resolute, became full of conviction. They could face anything and face anybody and face any situation. They suddenly realized that they existed and lived only for the audience of one. And they were willing to die for what they had found. They became master handlers of the word of life. That was what John was referring to. He said, the things that we have heard, the things we have what? We have heard, the things we have what? We've heard, we've seen, we have looked upon, and we have what? He wasn't referring to Jesus' work on the earth. I hope you know. He was referring to seeing him in the spirit. Because they didn't even know him when he was on the earth. Hallelujah. He kept returning to them over and over again. Why is the son of God? At the end of the day, all of them still ran away when they came to arrest him. Scripture says, Mark. When they tried to grab Mark, Mark ran out of his garment and ran away naked. Guy took off. Amen. But that same guy, when the Holy Ghost came, he became a different person. The same Peter, that a small boy, would say, Papa, you are with Jesus. Now he said, me. I swear, light alive, not me. The same Peter became transformed, became changed. That is what we mean by the operation of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So we are in that season of the what? The outpouring of the Spirit. What is the purpose to help us to make spiritual advancement? To grow, to multiply, to be established in present truth, to walk with God, to design God, to have clarity concerning the things of the spirit clarity open eyes open understanding clarity to comprehend as scripture says with all the saints what is the word the length and breadth you just have alignment and you just are in harmony with the will of god there is a signal in your heart that is measuring that is calibrating your device to be in the accurate frequency of god that's what we mean that's what we mean. It means when you wake up, 
there is a sense of appreciation of what the will of God is. What am I supposed to do today that is different from yesterday? Am I making sense? What is the spectacular that is hidden within the mundane? What is the open door that is hidden within the ordinary that I need to take advantage of today? Is there anything I need to hear, Holy Ghost? Is there anything I need to give particular attention to? Hallelujah. How do I take charge? How do I exercise dominion? How do I bring the fragrance of Christ to my environment today? To the people who are near and people who are far away. Who needs help? Who needs somebody to stand in prayer? Who needs me to prophesy this morning? I'm a priest and a prophet over the Lord's house and over his people and over the area that has given me influence. That is sensitivity. That is priesthood. That is responsibility. Am I making sense this morning? That's what we mean by the operation of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Yeah. Let's go to Psalms chapter 92. I am I, tempted to go on, but I'll, no, let me come back here. Psalms 92. Psalms, somebody say fresh oil. Somebody say fresh oil. Why, why is it fresh oil? It's fresh oil because it is ever fresh. It is what? It is not comparison today. You know, yesterday oil has stale. No, the oil of God does not stale. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The oil of God does not what? What is because they are new every morning? It doesn't mean that in the morning it is new, in the evening it is stale, then in the morning it becomes renewed. That's not what it means. It means it stays new. Say so it does what? It stays new. Why? Because another scripture says that that's, this Jesus Christ is what the same yesterday, today, and what? The oil stays fresh. That's what it means. It's a living oil. He is live, he's the fountain of living water. Hallelujah. Amen. The oil stays what? Stays fresh. We are the one who drift from his freshness. Am I making sense? How do we drift? Because we forsake our mercy. We forsake the verdict of the Lord. We forsake focus on Jesus. And we give attention to lying vanities. Or we give attention to distractions. So we drift away from the place of our nature. We become an eagle that is flocking with chickens. And trying to learn the ways of chickens. Hallelujah. But every one of us has that oil of God upon us. And that oil is a fresh oil. It's an oil that never stays. It's a special anointing. One of the things that I'm trusting God this morning is that you will disabuse your mind from the concept of when you hear the anointed. Your mind immediately goes to the man of God or the person standing behind the pulpit or the person who is a pastor or a prophet of a church. The church, the church has gone into an unholy romance with men of God, both the true ones and the fake ones. Because even when men of God even try so much to try and be ordinary and show themselves that we are not different from you, the church will not cease to worship them. Hallelujah. You know, I was in the airport last week. Was it last week? Yeah, it's, it's a new week, right? Um, on Monday, I was at the airport and I, I was waiting for my flight. So I quickly used the restroom. It was early in the morning. And when I came out, how many of us have experienced those, those guys at the airport? Quickly roll uh, tissue paper and give it to you. I said, thank you, I collect. Even though the tissue paper was there, I can, you know, take it myself. The guy rolled another one. I thought he was waiting for me to finish using the first one. 
He rolled another one toilet and then made straight for my shoe. I started cleaning my shoe. I was like, what's wrong with this one? <laughs> I said, please stop. Please stop. What do you want? Just tell me one thing to the world. I know what one day I'll be okay. Don't worry, I'll give you more. Don't clean my shoe. I became <laughs> I became the victim. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is what the church do to pastors these days and men of God. You know, we elevate them to a place where they are not. And you know, you can honor people without worshiping them. You know that. So I'm not talking, I'm not saying we shouldn't honor people that God sets over us. I'm saying don't worship them. We are supposed to honor and not just, don't only even honor. In fact, if it's only your pastor you honor, something is wrong with him. You should honor every believer because every believer is anointed with Christ. So Rachel is not different from me. She carries the same honor that I carry. She serves God in our role. And that role is important to God as much as I'm serving God in this role. And if I fail and she's faithful, her reward will be better. We are all anointed. We all carry the anointing of the Lord. We are a principal spice. We are a principal spice in the compound anointing of the Lord. So every single one of us matter. It's the reason I say that when we come to church, we're not coming to church for somebody to speak. That's not what we're coming to. We're coming to bring a supply. To bring what? Can I, can I, can I, can I surprise you? The anointing that upon us corporately and upon you individually, I'm receiving strength from it to deliver this word of the Lord. So don't think that maybe I bring an anointing that is heavier. Yes, I brought my own measure. Am I making sense? But I'm not preaching by my own measure alone. I'm preaching by the measure of every... It is the reason why we should all be in unity. If we are not in unity, my labor, you will make my labor hard. I'll be like somebody who is trying to split a stone. I'll be sweating in the spirit and in the natural. We are all in this together. All bringing our anointing, our peculiar grace in God. All of it is mixing together as worship to God. As what? As worship to God. Scripture says that there is an angel that gathers the prayer of the saints. Mix it with spice, with anointing, and offer it before the throne of God. And once that happens, there is a reverberation on the face of the earth. Don't limit your grace and your anointing. Don't just sit down on it and make it useless. All of us carry fresh oil. Say, everyone, carry fresh oil. We all carry that fresh oil. But today, my job is to explain to you what you carry. So that, first of all, you can become sold out to your path and to your course in God. So that you can have allegiance. So that you can marry your purpose and your destiny and embrace it with all of your heart because it has eternal implications. God doesn't joke with his anointed. Did you hear what I said? God doesn't what? God doesn't joke with his anointed. The anointed of God are God's champions, raised and elevated for a specific purpose. And God protects them and is jealous over them and makes everything available and arranges everything around them so that that purpose of God can be what? 
can be fulfilled. God's allegiance to his anointed is a matter of covenant. It's a matter of what? It's a matter of covenant. And God is 100% faithful to the details of that covenant. The day that covenant ceases to exist is the day you decide by yourself to break it. That's why God doesn't give up on you no matter the level of your weakness. It's a covenant love. He married you in Christ. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? He married you in who? In Christ. And so when he looks at you, all he sees is who? It's Christ. And he's a faithful father. Say he's a faithful father. He is a what? Faithful father. Your weakness and your issues don't scare him. He is in love with you by covenant. And he's jealous over you. And he will be faithful to the terms of that covenant. Even if you are unfaithful to your own. He will be extending you mercy and giving you grace. Until you rise in strength. And then there is no difference between you and him. Wasn't that what he did for Abraham? He said, Abraham, let's cut covenants. Put all the materials, cut all the animals and everything. The infirmity of Abraham made him what? Made him to sleep. God fulfilled his end of the covenant and Abraham's end of the covenant. Because by the time Abraham woke up, God has finished the rites. <laughs> God has finished the procedure. God had proclaimed blessing over him. So what did he do? He just woke up and believed God. And God accounted to him for what? His righteousness. That was what Abraham brought to the table. Faith. He said he believed God. He believed God. He's not normal and ordinary for an 100-year-old man or 97-year-old man or you know that to be to, to have a child. All he did was he believed God. And his faith allowed God to operate in his life. Say I'm anointed with fresh oil. Psalm 92, verse 10. He said, But my horn, you have what? Exalted like a what? A wild ox. I have been what? Anointed with fresh oil. So we don't have time to go into, to read this, uh, this passage from the beginning. But this verse, if you read it, it paints, first of all, a backdrop of the prevalence of evil. It paints a backdrop of wicked men and people without God, godless people, prospering and doing well. Hallelujah. Let me see if I can just pick one or two verses there. Say, whole oh Lord, verse 5. How great are your works, your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like what? Like grass. And when all the workers of iniquity do what? It is that they may what? Destroy forever. But you, O oh Lord, are on high forever. For behold your enemies, O oh Lord. For behold your enemies shall what? Shall perish. These same people who seem to be flourishing, they will what? They will perish. And the workers of iniquity shall be what? Scattered. As that is happening, what is going to happen to the Lord's anointed? My horn will be what? Will be exalted. Like that of a what? The wild ox. I 
will be anointed with what? Fresh oil. Somebody say, I will be anointed with fresh oil. So, there is an oppression of God in his anointed, which is the lifting of his, of, of his horn, while the Lord is bringing judgment. So, the rising of God's anointed is judgment upon the earth. Hallelujah. The rising of God's anointed is what? Is judgment. It's like the parable of the wheat and the tears. You know, where the workers say, oh, who sold tears on this field? Let us go and remove them. I said, no, don't. Let the wheat grow. When the wheat has grown and has matured, what's going to happen? There will be judgment. There will be a sorting out. There will be the justice of God will come upon the field and will separate the wheat from the what? From the tears. And then what will happen to the tears? They will be burned, destroyed, and the wheat will be gathered into the world. You are, it is the saints of God that is holding up the judgment of God. Because God is waiting for his people to come into what? Maturity. Hallelujah. Am I making sense? Scripture says the heir, as long as he is a what? A child does not differ from slave. But is placed under tutors and governors until the time. What is the time appointment? What is the time appointed? Is the time to come into authority? Is the time to come into inheritance? Because his destiny is what is to inherit the inheritance. So the time appointed is a designate carrier's time when the child ought to have been matured and he can hold on to the reins of authority. That's the destiny of the church. That's the destiny of you and I as God's anointed ones. God is waiting on us for us to become mature and take our place as elders, as administrators, and as judges over God's city. Am I making sense this morning? Hallelujah. Give me 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 2. Hallelujah. This was Hannah, yes, chapter two. This was Hannah rejoicing after, you know, he's gotten after she's gotten Samuel, you know, and and he was saying, my heart rejoices. That's verse two. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my word, at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. Nor is there a rock like our God. Talk no more. So very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. Who is she, who is she addressing? The wicked, the enemies. So for the Lord is the God of what? Knowledge. And by him all actions are what? Way. The bows of the mighty men are broken. And those who stumble are gathered with what? Strength. Those who were fool. Somebody said those who were fool. Have hired themselves out for what? Say there's an overturning. Say there's a power shift. That's what is happening here. Am I making sense? Those who were fool now have to hire themselves out so that they can have something to eat. They held the reins of power. They held the reins of economic power once. Now, there has been an overturning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, and the hungry have what? Have ceased to hunger. Those who were hungry before, they've now taken their place. Somebody say overturning. Somebody say overturning. He said, even the barren has born what? Seven. And she who has many, many children has become what? Feeble. Next verse. The Lord kills and makes alive. 
he brings down to the grave and brings up. Verse 7, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. Verse 8, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the harsh heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the word upon them. Verse 9, he will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. Verse 10, where we're going. The adversaries of the Lord shall be what? Broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the hands of the earth. He will give strength to his king. And do what? And exalt the horn of his anointed. So the Lord will exalt my horn because I'm the Lord's anointed. I said to us at the beginning, the Lord does not joke with his anointed ones. He does not. He is very jealous over them. The Bible said that when they were moving from one place to the other, the Lord gave a decree over them. His people that touch not my he said he will suffer no one to do them harm. Saying, touch not my anointed and what? And do my prophets no harm. That's how jealous the Lord is for his anointed. He put a mark over them. In the same spirit, Paul was saying, he said, let no one trouble me. For I do what? I bear on my body the mark of the Lord Jesus. And you bear that mark too. Say, I've been marked by the Lord. I am his anointed. I want, I want, I want your heart to be expanded this morning that you are not ordinary. You're not. You're not. Hallelujah. I said the anointed one is God's special champion. It's God's special champion. Give me Psalms 110 very quickly. Verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit down at my right until I make your enemies your footstool. Next verse. The Lord will do what? Send the rod of his strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your... Say, this is my destiny. I'm a ruler. I am to rule in the midst of my death of my enemies. That's you. Say, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. The beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning. You have the dew of your youth. Next verse. Say, the Lord has sworn. Say, the Lord has sworn. Say it loud. Say, the Lord has sworn. And we not what? Say that word again. And we not what? What does it mean to not relent? Eh? Give up. It will not give up. Yes. It will not turn back. Yes. There are more. There are more. There are more. Yes. It will not stop. Yes. There are more. There are more. I want to know. We have many men. He will not repent. He will not change his mind. The Lord has sworn. See, God has not the way we swear. God doesn't do that one, okay? (laughs) But he has sworn and he will not repent. You, say you, are a priest according to the word order of Melchizedek. He was talking to Jesus, the pattern son here. And also talking to us because we are in Christ as the corporate son. The Lord has sworn and he will not relent. I am a priest after the order of me. Why is the order of Melchizedek very important? Because it is an endless order. It is an order that doesn't bow to death. 
Am I making sense? Scripture says in Hebrews that all the priests that served in tabernacle ceased their priesthood by reason of death. He said, but this one continues forever as a priest before God. His priesthood has no end. It cannot be terminated. It cannot be abolished. It cannot be obstructed. And as long as that priesthood is alive before God's throne, your destiny and your future is valid in God. Nothing, no devil, no sin, no obstruction, no infirmity, no weakness can stop you. Because you live and you derive life and strength from the priesthood that lives forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why scripture says that this priest was raised after the power of what? Of an endless life. Hallelujah. The Lord has sworn will not relent you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Next verse. The Lord is at your what? Say the Lord is at my right hand. Say he shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. Next verse. He shall judge among the nations and shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. Next verse. He shall drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up his head. So let's read verse 7 again. What does it say? He shall drink by the brook of the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up his head. Say everything that the Lord will do here, he will do by his anointed. Everything God will do that he said he would do here, he will do by what? By his anointed. How did I know? Verse 1 gave us the clue. The Lord said to my Lord, sit down at my right hand till I make your enemies, your what? Your fools too. And then, what is the agent of transformation? What is the agent of that change? It is Zion, verse 2. The Lord will stretch forth the rod of his strength. Out of what? Zion. Out of the company of the anointed ones. Out of the company of his presence. Out of the church of the firstborn. Who is the anointed one? Hebrews 10. So we've come unto what? That holy mountain. Unto Zion. The city of the living God. So Zion is God's agency of strength on the face of the earth. And you are I, a Zion. We are the Zion of God. Hallelujah. We belong to that Jerusalem that is from above. The Bible says for the Jerusalem that is from above. We are of that Jerusalem that is from above. And he is the mother of us all. And that Jerusalem is a free Jerusalem. Hallelujah. So the one down here is constantly in the bondage. Constantly fighting. Endless wars. He said, but the Jerusalem that's from above is free. And is the mother of us all. Say, I'm born of the free woman. I wasn't born into bondage. You are not born into bondage. Pharaoh is insignificant and does not exist in your life. Because you were not born in bondage. The only story of Pharaoh that you know is the story of his demise inside the Red Sea. So if there's another image of Pharaoh in your life, you've been lied to. You are born of free woman. This, the, the Israel that was in Egypt is different from the Israel that was born in the wilderness. Hallelujah. That was why the Israel that was in Egypt could not transit, even though they left Egypt. They could not transit. But the Israel that was born in the wilderness had faith to enter into the promised land. 
Because before them, no giant exists. They are of the order of Joshua and Caleb. Hallelujah. They believed the word of the Lord. The rest that didn't believe. Scripture says their dead bodies fell in the what? In the wilderness. Say I'm the anointed one. Say I carry fresh oil. Say that again. I carry what? Fresh oil. Let's see God's commitment to the anointed. I'll just read a scripture, a, a, a number of scriptures, Psalm 28, verse 8. Let's just see how God treats his anointed. This will blow your mind. Hallelujah. Psalm 28. He said, The Lord is what? Their strength. And is the what? The saving refuge of who? His anointed. Say, The Lord is my strength. That's who you are. How come you're weak? The Lord is your strength. He is the saving refuge of you. He's anointed. That's God's commitment to you. Every time that I ring your head, the Lord is my strength. Psalm 27 said, The Lord is my light and my word and my salvation. He said, Whom shall I what fear? He said, The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 132, very quickly, verse 13 to 18. Psalm 132. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. Say, the Lord has chosen me. The Lord has chosen me. And he has desired me for his what? Dwelling place. You are the Lord's dwelling place. Next verse. Said, This is my resting place forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. Next verse. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Next verse. I will also clothe her priest with what? With salvation. And her saints with what? Shall shout aloud for joy. Verse 17. Dear, I will make the horn of David grow. And I will prepare a what? A lamp for my anointed. His enemy will I clothe with shame and upon himself his what? His crown shall fall. This is God's commitment to you because you are his anointed. Hallelujah. Give me Psalm 20 verse 6. You can write down 1 Chronicles 16 13 to 22. You can write down 1 Samuel 26 7 to 9. Now I know that the Lord saves his what? Is anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his word, of his right hand. Give me Psalm 89. Let's read that. We shouldn't proceed without reading that. Okay, I'll read again. Psalm 89. So I said we should write down 1 Chronicles 16, 13 to 22. 1 Samuel 26, 7 to 9. Let's, let's read this one. Very great um, verse. Psalms 89, verse 20. Verse 20 to 37, but we won't read everything. We'll just read a few of them so that we can move forward. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He said, I have found my servant. Put your name. Say, I have found my servant, Damilola. With my what? Holy oil, I have what? Anointed him. Say, the Lord has anointed me with his holy oil. Next verse. He said, with whom my hand shall be what? That is the partnership God has called you to. With you, his hand shall be what? Established. 
also my arm will what shall strengthen him next verse the enemy shall not outwit him not the son of wickedness afflict him see no devil can outwit you they can try they can try but they cannot overcome you it is not in your destiny to be defeated it is not in your destiny you were not made to succumb to defeat and the only reason why you're succumbing to defeat is that you have not come into your own identity because your identity doesn't know defeat your identity doesn't give up he said this thing is over give up no i don't know what that means god does not know failure does god know failure does god know failure it's against his nature he cannot fail and so does you that's your destiny the son of wickedness will not afflict him next verse I will beat down his foe before his face and plague those who hate him next verse but my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him and in my name his horn will be what? Be exalted. Somebody should be excited about this. Because the promise of... This is the thing that David was thinking about when he said, when I take the song of his thoughts towards me, they are too wonderful for me to understand. It's just too much to comprehend. Just too much. Hallelujah. Why? This is the commitment of God to his anointed. This is commitment of God to you and I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's go to part two. So what is the process of the anointing? He says so far, so far the church has limited the anointing and its operations to very limited few external manifestations. They are not wrong they are not just, they don't just have the complete picture. Hallelujah. Because scripture says, you know, and every time we quote, anytime we talk about the anointed, we always like to quote the scripture, Acts 20, that says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who what? Went about doing good. Healing what? Those that were oppressed of the devil because God was with them. And we say that is the purpose of the anointing. It's one of the effects of the anointing. It's not the, it's not, it doesn't capture the whole purpose of the anointing. For us to know what the anointing is, we need to go back to the very beginning when God introduced the concept of what? The anointing. Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 22. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Also take for yourself quality spices. Somebody said quality spices. He said these spices means spiritual experiences. So these spices, they mean spiritual experiences. They are unique spiritual experiences for us in God. And they make up the anointing. 500 shekels of liquid man. Another translation will say pure man. Half as much sweet smelling cinnamon. That's 250 shekels. 
250 shekels of sweet smelling cane. That's um, Calamos. I'm not as sure as Calamos. 500 shekels of cashier according to the shekel of what? Of the sanctuary. What, 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 what it means by according to the shekel of the sanctuary is that the measuring gate is a measuring device inside the sanctuary. God's own measuring device. Am I making sense? Just to clarify that. And then a heen of what? Of olive oil. Basically a bottle of olive oil. Next verse. What does it say? And you shall make from this a what? A holy anointing oil. An ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. This new KJ is not making it deep. The old KJ is according to the art of the apothecary. That one sounds deep, right? And it shall be a holy word, anointing oil. What are you doing with the anointing? Look at it. What did he say we should do with the anointing? Moses should do with the anointing. With it, you shall do what? Anoint the tabernacle of what? Meeting and the ark of the testimony. Next verse. The table and its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense. The altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, the laver and its base. Next verse. You shall what? Consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. So the purpose of the anointing oil is consecration of what? Of the tabernacle and all the utensils of worship. First, then the next is what? You shall what? Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as what? What is the purpose of anointing the tabernacle and not the instruments and the priest that serve in the tabernacle? What is the purpose? Is what? Unity. Is what? Unity and oneness. So the priests and they that serve and the altar upon which these priests serve, they are one. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? The priest becomes a part of the instrument of worship. So if the priest enter into that place unworthy, he becomes an outcast. God smites him. Because he has not brought himself to be a part of the holy instrument of what? Of worship. Am I making sense this morning? Am I making sense? I said that all of us are a principal part of the what? Of the body. What is the difference between when God smote what was the sons of was the sons of Aaron that offered strange fire before the altar of God and killed them, Ananias and Sapphira. It's the same. Amen. They did not discern that the holy thing was going on. And they came with strange sacrifices. They came with another sacrifice that is not of God. That God does not have ownership over. That is not submitted to God. That is not God ordained. Hallelujah. The purpose of the anointing is worship. Is what? Is worship. It is surrender. 
It is worship. The anointing is God's own special oil. Is what? It's God's own what? And it is for what? For worship. But that's what the tabernacle is for. The tabernacle is for what? For worship. Everything within that tabernacle are utensils and instruments for worship in their own order. From the outer court, even to the what? To the holiest of all. All the instruments are instruments of worship. They are instruments of surrender. They are instruments that decrease you and increase God. That's why when you move from the outer court into the holiest of all, the more you move, the more dead you are. The more Christ is alive. Hallelujah. Because at the brazen altar where you start, God does what? Washes you away your sins, cleanses you, and brings you into the holy place where you minister, you are ministered to by the word and the spirit. Table of the showbed and the candlestick. And then God begins to invade your life. The light that you live by is no longer the light of the sun that is outside. It's the light of his word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a word and a light unto my path. God becomes the cloud over your head. He becomes your strong tower. He becomes your house. You are now in his house walking from one room to the other. He becomes your boundaries. He separated you because you've passed through the curtain. He separated you from the outside. The sun shall no longer rule you by day, nor the moon by night. Because you no longer live by that order. Am I making sense? There has been a transition because there has been worship. There has been surrender. There has been a relinquishing of your life to the hands of God. So God leads you now by his spirit, the light of his candlesticks. Seven Spirit of God. He orders your life. He orders your life. He leads you. He brings you into his purposes. He opens and illuminates your heart. So that you can know him. And so that he can know his counsel for you. And then when you proceed from there into the most holy, that's another level of consecration. There, there is zero of you and all of God. And then all that matters in your life is one object of worship. The Ark of Covenant. That is what you live by. Your boundaries are marked by God's covenant. And inside that covenant is the rod of authority and the, and the manna, which is what you live by. And is what? Everything upon the world, the mercy seat. You live by the mercy of God. Why? Because you have sworn allegiance to covenant. Am I making sense this morning? No wonder David said, The Lord is my light and my word. My son. The Lord is the light I live by. He is my illumination. He is my understanding. What God says is my reality. What he says is my reality. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms 91. We love to quote the Lord. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my word, refuge and fortress. Why? God has taken over. Say God has taken over. Sweet color takeover is God has taken over. <laughs> Hallelujah. God has taken over. That's the purpose of the anointing. That's the purpose of the anointing. It's to consecrate us to worship. And every element in that anointing oil 
has a significance and points to a specific and a unique spiritual experience that is meant for worship. Without any of those principal spice, the anointing oil will not be full. If it is not a full measure, then it is not holy. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? If it is not in the full measure, it is God will not take it. Because it's not in the full measure. And that's why he gave specific measurements. If it is 499 shekels instead of 500 shekels, then it's incomplete. If it is 249 instead of 250 of sweet cinnamon or sweet cashier, then it is incomplete. It is not full. Hallelujah. Every principal spice in that compound has spiritual significance. Number one, say pure ma. Say pure ma. Hallelujah. Pure ma. Ma means bitter. Somebody say bitter. The element ma itself is gotten from a sap that comes out of the back of trees. How many of us know trees? When you see some, some trees that releases sap, how many of us have seen trees like that? Some people get gum from it, right? What we use as gum is a sap from a certain type of tree. That's the way they get ma. But it is bitter in taste. Very bitter. And it is used for preservation. It is used for healing. Most, um, you know, one of the compounds inside medicine is one of the compounds inside perfume. You know, because it's, it's, it's one of the principal spice that is used for embalming. When you want to embalm something, you know, when you want to preserve it, ma is one of the things that is used. Hallelujah. Why is ma important? Ma signifies suffering. Somebody say suffering. Somebody say suffering. Paul said that I may what? Know him. And then he began to describe the dimensions of that knowledge. He said, and the power of his resurrection. When I know the power of his resurrection, I'm knowing God. Am I making sense? Then when I know the fellowship of his suffering, I am what? I'm knowing God. It's part of knowing God. It's a principal spice in knowing God. Hallelujah. Philippians 3, give us. It's a what? It's a principal spice in what? You cannot have the fullness of God if you don't know him in the fellowship of his suffering. We love the power of his resurrection. It's fast. I mean, when you raise the dead or you bring something to life, it's spectacular, right? But when God lay his body on your back and takes you through stuff and process, it is not what? It is not palatable. But that is also what? That's also knowing him. Scripture calls Jesus the man of what? The man of sorrows. But I think that's one of this. That's one of my wife's best songs. Man of sorrows, the love of God. Very beautiful. You should go and do the song. Listen to the song. It describes the man that God smote and took to the cross so that we all can have redemption. In his blood. Hallelujah. And God, scripture is saying, there is a fellowship in that suffering that is meant for preservation, for healing, and as a principal spice of the anointing. Hallelujah. Why is the church ineffective? God's chosen anointed one. A spice is missing. We don't love it. Therefore, our oil is what? 
is incomplete. It's ineffective. The fellowship of his suffering. And it doesn't mean that bad things are going to happen left, right, and center. It just means that God takes you through what? Process. God takes you through what? God, God yokes you to him. That's actually what suffering means. It's joking. It's God joking. Have you seen free-ranging animals who are jumping, gallivanting up and down? When God picked that animal and then yoked him with another animal, it's the suffering of life. Am I making sense? If he wants to run, he can't run. If he wants to sit, he can't sit. He is yoked with this other animal that has been trained. It's like hell, really. But it is what? Learning. It is training. Straining him to be humble. Straining him to be what? To, to be, to have self-control. To endure, to suffer long. That's a principal spice of what? Of the, somebody say pure ma. Do you know why it has to be a pure ma? Do you know why it was emphasizing pure ma? Because there are times when we lie to ourselves and we go through suffering that is consequences of sin. And that is not mere. You are just being corrected and receiving the consequences of what you have done. You know, Paul, uh, was it Paul or Peter that said, was it James? He said, when you suffer, make sure you are not suffering as an evildoer. <laughs> when you have been disobedient, they have caned you. <laughs> now say, it's suffering of Jesus. <laughs> They've caned your bonbon. No, it's not suffering. It is correction to your rebellious heart. And that is also good. That's also good. Because when we are not corrected, scripture says we are bastards. Hallelujah. But that's not the suffering of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, but you know, sometimes God is a great God. He can turn an issue of correction into an issue of fellowship with the suffering when you are learning obedience. That was why it was meant for your death. But God has turned it around to something of life. It was meant for shame. But God has turned it around to a thing of what? Of glory. The cross is a symbol of shame, wasn't it? It was Jesus that turned it around. Even Jesus changed the destiny of cross. Anyone that used to go to the cross in the Roman time is the what? It's an object of shame. Why they chose it is because it's the is the manifestation of ultimate shame when you crucify somebody. They reserve it for the worst of criminals. But so, an innocent man went to the cross and the cross became a symbol of glory. Paul said, and we glory in the cross of Jesus. Hey? That's what the suffering of Christ achieves. Am I making sense this morning? Amen. It's a principal spice. Ma. Don't reject ma. It's only 500 shekels. It's only a part. Say it's only a part. Say it's only a part. Say it will not last forever. No, but it's a necessary part. So the sufferings that you're going through, maybe, so, maybe your own is that you have a devil as a boss and you want to resign and God is saying, to bad try. <laughs> Just take it as a suffering. Sometimes it's even things within you that God is denying you. You know, sometimes when God closes a door, it's painful. But you have to trust God. Sometimes it is God literally slaying you. Like Job said, he said, though he slay me, I will do what? I will trust him. It's fellowship of his suffering. 
It's a principal spice. If your anointing oil doesn't have it, it is ineffective. But say with me, ma is not the only spice in the anointing oil. Say there is sweet cinnamon, there is sweet calamus. Say both of them are sweet. Very, very sweet. Very, very sweet. Hallelujah. Now, have you met some people? They are just sweet. Amen. You know, but there are some people like that. They are just what? You, you, you want to be around them. They are just, that's their grace. But there are some other people you don't like to be around them. They are not toxic. They are not. But they just carry, God has put upon them the body of the old, the old church. If you see Paul in his days, you will want to be Paul's friend. I mean, by being Paul's friend, you will suffer shipwreck just by being on his ship. But you just enter Paul's car, you will have accident. And it's not because God forsakes you. <laughs> it's just fellowship. Did you see when he was reading his credentials? How many times he was beaten? He said a night, the one that surprised me, he said, he said a night and a day I was in the deep. Is, it not, is that not inside water? Is that not inside water? He said a night and a day I was in the deep. And he did not die. If it's somebody else, they will say, God, let me be coming home. That's Paul. He had his own fair share of the word. He said, he said, he said, it's as if God has placed some of us at the very last end of the procession. As the offscoring of the... You know what offscoring means? Do you know what offscoring means? It's that burnt part of jollof rice. You know that burnt part? You know, so how many of us like to eat that part? But the reason why you like it is because it has, it has seen fire more than the rest of the parts. That's why it's sweeter. It has suffered more. To suffer more is to be sweeter. Hallelujah. He suffered more. All those revelations didn't come because he was in a hula baloo land. He was suffering. It was the walk was the journey was the process was the path was the cross that he bore so some people don't blame them say i don't like to be around there and you need them so we don't need only the sweet one you know esther esther's preparation before he went before king harasuerus he had to do six months of sweet cinnamon she had to do six months of sweet and six months of what? Of ma. She had the full measure. That was why she was different when she walked into that king. She had the full measure. Said sweet calamus, sweet cinnamon, pure ma. You need everything. So what is sweet cinnamon? Say it is the sweet spice depicting the sweetness of God's grace. Somebody said the sweetness. Of God's grace. Do you know the funniest thing? Some people have not learned to take advantage of this one too. Say God is sweet too. God is not burdensome more. Is that not what he said? He said, if you love me, you will keep my word, my commandment. And my commandments are not what? They are not grievous. See, the full measure, the full measure of the anointing is not a grievous measure. The fact that it contains a portion of ma does not mean the full measure is what? His grief. It is not cumbersome. It is not neck breaking. You know, neck breaking or not. 
my wife say, you know people say, uh, yoke breaking, uh, neck living, or what's God? Yoke breaking anointing. My wife said, uh, some people are anointing has turned into neck breaking anointing and yoke living. You will leave the yoke and break the neck. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the full measure is not grievous. It's not. Don't judge God unfaithful because you are in a season of mirror. The full measure is not grievous. Don't lose faith because suddenly things are suddenly tough. Remember when it was sweet, it was still that same God and he doesn't love you less. Some of you, I don't understand this God against self. No. Keep quiet. He has not changed. Don't let your mouth put you in trouble. You are just going through another phase of the principal spice. God is still the same yesterday, today and what? And the reason why the sweet time comes is because he wants you to remember that he's still the same God. When I punish my son or my child, I always make note to tell them that, you know I love you very much. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to tell them, I'm not a monster. I'm just disciplining, I'm just disciplining you. That's what God does. Sweet cinnamon. The sweetness of God's grace. We must learn to walk in the grace of God. We must learn to take advantage of the grace and everything. See, you cannot be an effective Christian, an effective kingdom Christian, if you are not established in the foundational principles of God. If you don't understand justification by faith and how that is an issue of identity, you cannot be an effective Christian. You will die of condemnation. The enemy will wound you. Am I making sense? You have to drive a final conclusion to the issue of your identity that you are Christ. Full stop. It doesn't matter what the day is or what it looks like or what you've done or what you've not done. You are Christ. That is your identity. And walk in the sweetness of God's grace. And then when you wake up from your infirmity or your struggles, you walk boldly into the presence of God and receive grace. What has been allocated to you? Read Ephesians 1 and see all the things that God has done on account of His grace. How He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because you belong to Christ. How He's chosen you before the foundation of the world to be blameless and holy before Him is love. How He has shown you redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of your sins, so that you can abound in the riches of His grace. You better get strengthened and established in that. Those are the things that keep you, that buffer you in the day of adversity. Those are the things that protect your heart from being wounded and hurt by the experiences of life before you abandon your faith and judge God unfaithful. You have to be established in the sweetness of God's grace. Sweet cinnamon. Say it's a principal spice of the anointing. What happens is us, as because we, because of the infirmity of our flesh as humans, we are quick to forget the good things God has done. Once something hits like this, hey, God, where is your face? Ah, just yesterday you were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. You have so forgotten. Quickly. Say to yourself, say, I receive grace to never forget the sweetness of God's grace. The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the word. The Lord is good. Say the Lord is good. 
all the time. That is a true scripture and is worthy of acceptation. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. So when it takes you through the sweetness, don't get proud. Say to somebody, don't get proud. Don't be puffed up. Say you are just passing through a season of his grace. Don't get it twisted that it's your hand that suddenly broke, brought deliverance to you. Don't get it twisted that suddenly it's your skill that is opening things and shaking things around. No. God is using your skill, but it's, it's the, on the account of his grace. So remain humble. Remain what? Remain humble. Remain teachable. Even become considerate. Don't rub it in the face of people who are going through ma by telling them they don't have faith. And that's what we do. Ah, the reason why something that happened to you is called Jamie. Ha, about fatongi or why? You know nothing. You are just a loud mouth. Even if truly they did not have faith, what is the reaction of a priest to the infirmities? The Bible says a priest can show mercy to the weak. So the fact that you are not even thinking of mercy, you are a false priest. Or you are manifesting falsehood, not the false priest. But in that moment, you are manifesting falsehood. Don't get proud. Don't get puffed up. Don't look down on people. Simply because you are having 250 shekels of sweet cinnamon. And 250 shekels of sweet calamus. Don't. Don't puff up yourself. Be humble. Acknowledge God. Who is the reason why everything is happening. Scripture says it is God who is at work in us, but to will and what? And to do of his word of his good pleasure. Hallelujah. It says sweet calamus. So the word calamus in scripture means, in the Hebrew, means a stem. It means a reed or a rod. It means a branch or a stick. Any, you know, it's the same principal substance, but different manifestations. It is a stick that is turned to a rod, right? The reed is a weak stick. Am I making sense? When scripture says the broken, the shaking reed, he will not break. The smoking flax, he will not what? Will not quench. Hallelujah. So, but what does it mean? What does it mean? It's also translated as a branch. One scripture should come to your mind immediately. John 15, right? I am the vine, you are what? The branches. Say sweet calamus means divine order. Say sweet calamus means alignment or divine government. Say government order is a principal spice of the anointing. It means that God is the one who rules and orders your life. And you are a branch in his vine. The Bible says in John 15 that God is the husband man. What does he do? He said he checks every branch. It takes them through process to check. If they are not bearing fruit, what does it do? Prunes them off. If they are bearing fruit, it prunes them. He adds a what? He adds a system or he adds an event or whatever it is so that they can do what? Bear more fruit. So divine order is crucial. Divine order is what? It's, there must be order in your life individually. That's number one. Number two, you must also be a principal part in God's corporate order. 
Did you get that? You must be a what? A principal part in God's word. It means that your place is not empty in the corporate church. And it also means that you can discern the body of Christ. Hallelujah. It means that you can discern the whole body. Even those who don't say the things you say. And those who don't look like you. But there is a covering. There is a connection you have for them. Every branch in the tree is connected. Whether the branch that is close to the ground or the one that is close to the top. All of them are what? They are connected. That is divine order. That's divine order. We will not be effective if we are not working in order and alignment. There must be alignment in your individual life and there must be alignment in your corporate worship. There must be alignment. There must be alignment. Am I making sense? It means that you are submitted to the body. Have you met people who say, I don't belong to any church. All the churches are filled. I'm, I'm working, I'm the low ranger now. No, you are a general in the bush. You have nobody following you and you are not following anybody. You are lost. You are lost. You are lost. You are no one without your brethren. Say, so you are no one without who? You are a nobody without your brethren. Even Jesus had to be numbered with the brethren. He had to identify with the brethren. He said, I and the children God has given me, we are for what? We are for signs and wonders. He said, in the midst of the brethren, I will serve and praise your name. In the midst of the brethren. In the midst of the brethren. So God, Jesus himself, identifies with... That's why he calls himself the head. Have you ever seen head that is floating? If you see head that is floating now, what will you do? Head is floating now. and say, Busayo, come <laughs> An head floating without a body is an anomaly. So Jesus does not even want you to reckon with him outside of his body. And you cannot dishonor the body and say you are honoring the head. You cannot. You cannot look down upon the bride of Christ and his same breath say you are worshipping Jesus. No. You have dishonored. You see, we have to be careful. Even especially people, men of God. No, you have to be careful the way you treat God's people. They are God's bride. The fact that you are anointed or you are a man of God doesn't mean you should talk to people. Have you met men of God talking to people anyhow? Because they feel the people are at, their, at the mercy of the anointing. God will judge. God doesn't joke with his bride though. Hallelujah. We have to be We have to discern and come into order. None of us is anything without the other. None of us is anything without the other. They may not like your face. You may not like them. You may think they are ugly or they are fine. That doesn't concern God. You are nothing without your brethren. Ask yourself, who is your brethren? Who do you open up to? Who do you talk to? Are you a lone ranger? Even your wife doesn't know what's inside you. Don't be a lost general in the bush. Be at home with the brethren. Let us know you. Don't sneak into this church and sneak out like ghosts. You are not a ghost. Become committed. Become open. Become vulnerable. That's the heart of brotherhood vulnerability. 
Let us see your weakness. Let us see that you have anger problem. It's okay. Everybody comes and package themselves and we all look like angels. That is not the purpose and the will of God. I don't care about your makeup. I care about what's in the heart. I prefer somebody that has bad behavior, but it's open to me that the person says, bless you, brother. Every time, bless you, brother. Every, there was one brother that used to come to God me church there. Anything, that brother, God bless you. God bless you. Any small thing, though, only for us is on this wedding day. The whole wedding was full of stout and drinks. <laughs> See, you know what I'm talking about. So we don't want that fake life. The church is where you come and you are real. And you are yourself. No packaging. I know a lot of these things have happened because over the years, the church have had the wrong response to people with weaknesses and infirmities. But the Lord is changing that narrative. That we are not a people who condemn and judge. We are a people who show mercy. Because even me that you are looking at, I get my own. Ask my wife. <laughs> you may place me highly and it's a good thing. Honor God in my life. But don't for any reason think that I am a saint that my feet doesn't touch the floor. No, ask the Ogulipe. She can tell you that I, we all have our scones. We are all in process being refined so that Christ can be all in all. Am I making sense? Be real. Be committed. Be connected. Be open. Let that same flow from the vine. That same nutrient. Let it flow through you. And it will flow through you, through the brethren. Through the areas that God has connected you. Am I making sense? Amen. Finally, say the cashier. Cashier. So we have the ma, we have the cinnamon, we have the sweet calamus, and we have what? The word cashier means to stoop. It means to bow. John chapter 4, verse 22 to 24, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It means to bow. What does bow mean? It means to worship. Worship is a what? It's a principal spice. Say worship is not singing. Say worship is not singing slow songs. You know how we do in church? Say, let's worship God. And you say, Allah, they will go. And they do. Once you that, huh? now we are praising God. No, that's not what praise and worship. <laughs> that's not what it means. Say, worship is offering your life as a living sacrifice to God. When you obey God, you have worshipped. Let me make it simple for you. Even if that obedience is even if that obedience means that you have prayed, because prayer also is a commandment. Scripture says pray without. Many of us don't know that when you we when we when we adhere to spiritual um, routines, we are walking in obedience. You don't know that it's a battle that you have won that you can pray. Let some brethren tell you how their prayer life is like. It's an oscillation between snoring and praying. One minute is If you are listening from us, you will think it's another form of praying in tongues. Hallelujah. So when you pray, you are what? You are in obedience. You are in worship. Of course, when you sing songs, preachers say we should sing songs unto the Lord. Because we should lift up holy hands and worship. Yeah, of course, that's also part of it. But that's not all it is. When you walk in obedience, when God said no, and you turn around and agree with God, you've worshipped. That's worship. Romans 12, offer yourself as a what? As a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. Which is your word? reasonable form of worship. It's worship. When we offer ourselves to God, 
is worship. It's worship. It's worship. So worship is a what? It's a principal spice. It's a principal spice. So when you combine all these things together, you have what? You have a compounded holy anointing oil that is different from just an ordinary oil. Hallelujah. That's why the anointing oil that people say they carry about, that they symbolize, is not just only the oil that makes up the anointing. If you have only the oil without this principal spice, you just have an ordinary oil. Am I making sense? Because scripture says that all these principal spices are supposed to be blended and mixed together in that measure and then poured into the anointing oil. And then mixed together. Yes, now you have the anointing oil. Hallelujah. And the oil, of course, signifies the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Ghost has to work because it is in the Holy Ghost. You know, the oil is the environment where all these spices do what? Interact together and mix together. The Holy Ghost is the environment in you that's supposed to bring about the working and the mixture of all the spices. So you're not supposed to just receive the Holy Ghost and then you lock shop. God can lead you. God can control you. The only thing that we know in heaven is that you can speak in tongues. That's all. God cannot lead you. God cannot instruct you. God cannot control you. You are not working in obedience. The only time you pray self, is you want to collect from God and you say you are anointed. No, you are not yet. The Holy Ghost is the environment that brings all these spices what? Together. Mixes it together so that it can become an effective offering. So that it can become an effective consecrating element. So that anything that you touch or anyone that touches you receives the nature of holiness. That's what the Bible says. It says anything that the anointing oil touches must be holy. It becomes God's property. That is how we relieve that. That is how we gain mastery over the world. That is how God uses the leaven to do what? To leaven the whole lump. When he introduces you as an anointed one into an environment and you begin to interact into an environment, you begin to bring the grace of God. You begin to bring the authority of God into that environment. Before you know it, you are interrupting the darkness that is going on in people's individual lives. That leaven is spreading like the whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the what? Waters cover the sea. It starts from your own work as the anointed one. You are the agent of God's intervention on the earth. You are the one by whose harm the Lord will establish his rulership. But you must become faithful to the process of him making you into the anointed one. Hallelujah. So God has called us. Number one, like I told you at, at the beginning of this message, don't for any second any longer think that you are ordinary. You're not. You carry eternal weight of glory. It has nothing to do with what you are going through now. When the one that was born to save the world landed on the earth, where did he land? In a manger. And that conditioned his experiences for a while. Am I making sense? But it only conditioned his experience. It can't limit the glory that was inside. At the appointed time, 
that thing gave expression and it became larger than the whole world itself. Am I making sense this morning? You may have had a very constricted, you may have had a very restricted background. You may have had a very restricted background or journey in terms of privilege or in terms of access. Your education may not have been great. Maybe you did not even go to a great school. Maybe your parents were not even educated. You may have had restrictions all around. They have no bearing on the glory that is locked up on the inside of you. But when you wake up into God's light, that thing becomes activated. And you know that you are going somewhere to fulfill God's glory. And that that glory is not time bound. It's not just to make money on this earth. It's something that has what? Eternal consequences. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet and pray. How many of us just, just commit your life into the hands of God? Just commit your life into the hands of God. And say, Father, I receive grace to be faithful to my work. I receive grace. I, I, I cooperate with you so that all these principal spices, so that all these principal spices can become complete in my life. I cooperate with you, O oh God. I cooperate with you, Father. I am the one you have raised. I submit to you. I carry your purpose. I carry your will. I carry your vision in my heart. I am a pregnant woman. I'm pregnant with your purpose. And Lord, I refuse. I refuse to look down on, my, on myself. I refuse to allow the pressure of the situation of present conditions to limit my understanding of my identity or to limit my response and my submission to you. Father, I walk with you. I respond to you. I submit to you. I receive the fellowship of your sufferings. I receive the sweetness of your grace. I receive divine order and alignment in my life. I receive worship. I am an object of worship and I worship you. I surrender to you in worship. I surrender to you in obedience in the name of Jesus. I discern the body. I submit to the body. I become connected to the body in the name of Jesus. El Vrosnai Polo Bala Bolo Bala Bolo Minetio Shamba. Gale of Rostanza Cinemina Palaba. Here I am waiting. Abide with me. I pray. Here I am longing. Just take it slowly like that. For you.
Breathe.